Here's a little sneak peek on what's coming up on the Biz Women Rock podcast. I knew that we were, I wasn't just building a job for myself. I was building a business that needed to scale. And so um, thinking about that from the very beginning um, really helped grow us in the long term. I think a lot of people uh, start as an entrepreneur and you you think about, oh, I'm just going to do these few things. And then when you try to get bigger, it's a lot harder if you have to go back and, and reinvent it. So for us, we started that way in the very beginning. Get your hats ready because we have Shannon Kinney as my guest today. And uh, she started a company called Dream Local Digital back in 2009. It is a digital marketing agency. So she represents small companies all the way up to some pretty large, massive companies be able to leverage the online space to market their businesses. Really, really cool stuff. And she just blew me away in this conversation. It completely could have been, this could have been a three-part conversation because there was so much good stuff, but I had to cut us off. Um, But here are the couple of things that you will be able to take away by the end of this conversation. Number one is she really talks about how she got her company ready for scale, scalability in the very beginning. And whether you're a systems geek like me or you hate systems, you just kind of want to do the creative work. She talks very in-depth about how she did that, um, that the fact that it did take her a little bit more investment in time in the beginning, but it paid off a thousand times to allow her to grow very, very quickly. Um, And related, she talks about how she simultaneously has been able to build systems to scale and still stay very customized um, and, you know, sort of... um, Uh, kind of white glove service to each of her clients. It's a very cool concept that she talks about. She also talks about um, culture. She's got this really cool hashtag honey badger culture going on for her team of 35. She has 35 full-time people and about 60 different freelancers and contractors and uh, uh, interns that work for her. So she's she's got a pretty good-sized company, and she talks about the importance of company culture. And what I love so much about this is how easy it really can be. I think so many times we get caught up in how expensive and huge projects this you know company culture has to be, and she has such a great example of how easy but how powerful it can really be to implement company culture. And finally, one of the most fascinating things about Shannon is that you're going to find out that she birthed her business and a baby right at the same time. Little uh, important to me right now. And uh, she talks a lot about how she manages, uh, managed back then and still does being a mompreneur. And we especially go into an after the interview special uh, where she gave some really great advice. And I asked her if I could share it with you because it was just beautiful. So I'm going to share that separately. Um, it's going to be its own little separate after the, after the interview conversation. Okay. So, uh, it's just a couple of minutes long, but it's a really, really powerful one. So let's get on with the show with Shannon. Shannon, what is up girl? Thank you so much for being on biz women rock. Welcome. 
Hey, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you. You're uh, calling, you and I are connecting. You're up in Maine right now, which is, uh, at the time this airs, it's going to be very cold up there. <laughs> What's it's so, true. At the time we're talking, we're in, uh, what month are we in? We're in September. So uh, is it cold up there now? It is beautiful here today. So mm. no, we're we're still enjoying a late summer. Very nice. We're sweltering down here in Tampa Bay. <laughs> so looking forward, looking forward to things cooling off. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited for everyone to be able to hear a little bit more about you and your story. Um, I think you've had such an amazing uh, story to tell, and I can't wait for everyone to hear it. So I want to start out uh, where I really love to start out, which is always how in the world. Did you get to figure out this thing called entrepreneurialism? Like, what was your first introduction to that into sort of doing your own thing? Well, I I started um, early on in the Internet um, in terms of transitioning companies. So while I was working for other people um, in the mid-90s, we started – I started many different divisions of companies that were reinventing the new Internet part. And so – while I was working for someone else, we were trying to build something, get funding, build stakeholders, get customers. Um, and I feel like that I, I tried to use several steps in my career to get me to the point where when I was ready, if I was ready, I could do it on my own. And when I finally did decide that the idea I had was worth exploring, I felt like I was really well prepared for being an entrepreneur. Although I can say uh, you always underestimate how long you ha- it will take to build something. Um, you think you can sacrifice to become an entrepreneur, and I'd say whatever time you've budgeted, double it. But it- it's a very rewarding experience. I wouldn't go back. And sometimes triple it, let's be honest. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and-, and triple the budget, too, as far as like how much runway you have, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, I mean, you you just touched on it in a little bit, but, I mean, you were working with some major companies like Cars.com, like really like taking these companies and getting them a presence online, which was a brand new thing back then. So yes. what were some of the major things that you learned then that you now know served you really, really well? Well, you learn, uh, we learned a lot about how important it is to build a quality customer experience, how shortcuts are never shortcuts um, in what you're doing. And also, you know, we, I learned a lot in Cars.com about how we could build a product, launch it quickly, and try to balance making customers and investors happy at the same time. Mm. So it definitely prepared me well um, for when I started Dream Local Digital, um, what, what happens when you start preparing for investment and how you manage that, that part of your business. Which is something not a lot of entrepreneurs have experience with before they go in. They're, they're oftentimes just saying, okay, I'm going to be a self-funded company. I've never even dealt with investors, not even going to worry about it. Uh, which is most of the case. Uh, but then those those sometimes that end up happening is people start saying, okay, I'm going to get investors and I know zero about it. Now I have to learn as I'm starting my own company. So, you know, being able to have some some sort of insight into that, I think serves, you know, serves you really well. Why, why did you end up starting the company? Like what was the real big impetus be- behind Dream Local Digital actually manifesting? Well, it's, it started mainly because I was, um, I was a speaker that a lot of industry conferences of media companies would invite me to speak and talk to these big rooms of people about how the Internet was changing their business. 
And I did it for several years. And in 2008, I became slightly frustrated that um, while I was a highly requested speaker and people would give me excellent feedback on my presentations, it was clear to me that very few of them were actually going to take action on what I was talking about. Mm. And, and over time, uh, really what I care about is actually, you know, influencing change and leading them into the future, not just about talking and getting off the stage. So I thought what I would do is take a few local clients, um, start helping them market their business online, and develop some data points um, and case studies that I could then take back on my speaking circuit. And what happened was um, businesses respond in such a positive way to someone saying, um, you know, tell me about your business. How can I help you market yourselves online? That we, it ended up blowing it up from a case study into a business really quickly. Wow. And, you know, it, one of the things you talk about on your, a lot of your podcasts is about scalability. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, um, I always knew once I, once I admitted that this was kind of a real thing, um, I knew that we were, I wasn't just building a job for myself. I was building a business that needed to scale. And so um, thinking about that from the very beginning um, really helped grow us in the long term. I think a lot of people uh, start as an entrepreneur and you, you think about, oh, I'm just going to do these few things. And then when you try to get bigger, it's a lot harder if you have to go back and, and reinvent it. So for us, we started that way in the very beginning. Yeah, a lot, a lot of starter entrepreneurs really start up with that whole e myth thing going on. Like they're the technician, they're the perf- they're the person who's really good at executing that particular service, but there's not just because you get so busy, there's not a lot of thought that goes into the, you know, putting in the systems, figuring out, you know, the processes and all that sort of stuff. Talk because you did that really well and because you were really aware of it, talk a little bit about like what were the realities of that? Like what what did putting in systems and creating processes really look like for you as a young PR firm? Yes, that's, that's a great question. Um, so for us, it was a matter of looking at the business and trying to build a business and saying, okay, here's what we sell, which is we assist businesses with market themselves online. Um, we have this amount of of revenue from this particular client, here's what we can profitably provide for them for that, and building the infrastructure in place that um, it's almost like the system we built can handle thousands and thousands of clients, even though we only had a handful in the beginning. And it was hard for my team in the beginning because they were like, why are we architecting it this way when I could do it so much faster if you just let me do the client work? Right. And, and I actually had an early um, person in the business that was a leader in the business with me um, part ways with me at that time because it really came down to the fact that she thought she was an entrepreneur, but what she really wanted was a job. Mm. And there's a difference between just doing the work or the craft that you're mastering and that you're sharing with the world with your business and trying to build something that's actually going to scale. And so it, it meant that we spent probably a third of all of our time on infrastructure development far in advance of having the revenue and the client base to justify needing that structure, infrastructure development. Um, but what happened is as we started to grow really quickly, we were ready. And um, we, were ready, we were ready to take it in. And I can say 
the other key thing that really was a critical for that beyond just making our customers happy consistently, which tight operations will do, the other one was when, you know, three years in when we were prepared to go for funding, um, investors really like that. They're like, okay, you're thinking like you run a business versus a hobby that brings in money. Hmm. Um, it, it's a very different way to think about your business. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners that have small businesses that don't scale, that are great businesses. Uh, I just knew in the very beginning that wasn't what we were building. So what tools do you use or maybe did you use in the beginning or what what have you even evolved into? Like what tools have you used and do your team use to help you with all these processes, with all these systems? In the very beginning, I think a great resource for a lot of small entrepreneurs is uh, we started using Basecamp and use Basecamp to organize the processes, the tasks that it takes to serve the customer with what we promised we would serve them with. And we used Basecamp almost for a year before we really outgrew it because we needed, um, we needed features that the system didn't offer. But it is a great system for a lot of people. Um, so we started with Basecamp, and we have since uh, custom-developed a platform that runs the whole business um, on the open-source platform called Force. Mm-hmm. Dot com, which is owned by Salesforce. But w- now we run our pre-sale, during sale, and all the client work that we execute on a daily basis is all tracked in a system. And that's, I think that's the key thing. It's not like spreadsheets or notepads somewhere. There's an actual system that will run reports for me that will say, you know, these things are late, these things are on time. And, and in the beginning, like I said, we had 20 clients or so and my, I would run these reports, and the team's like, why don't you just ask us? <laughs> you know, like, we only have 20 clients in the beginning, so why do we need this? And I was like, trust me, because if, you, if we're really going to build something big here, we, we are going to have a lot more, you know, many times this many clients. And now, you know, the people who used to make fun of me in the beginning are the ones running those reports and reading them. So it works out well. Well, as a systems geek and somebody who really like always looks at business as a process, my, my um, I joke with my husband that my brain looks like a file cabinet. Like that's kind of I, it. It works right. in spread. It works in spreadsheets, flowcharts, and file cabinets. That's sort of what my brain like always naturally goes to. <laughs> and I just have so much appreciation to that because um, that's n- typically not the norm. And that, and you know, if you really do want to grow up big, you, you really have to put on that hat or have to have somebody come in and help you see that vantage point um, in order yeah, to do you it definitely, well. You definitely do because, um, you know, the key mantra we'll use, you know, somebody will say, oh, I've figured out a way to solve this problem, you know, first of all, you know, praise them for their creativity and problem solving, you know, can do attitude. And then the second question I'll ask is, is that scalable and repeatable? Mm. You know, can, can you do that a thousand times? Um, and if the answer is no, then okay, let's do it your way for a while. And then let's develop the strategy to make it scalable and repeatable. And it, the other key thing for an entrepreneur you know, even if they're not geeks like, you know, like us, is it takes time and money for you to invest in building that infrastructure. Yes. And yep. for my business, um, it was self-funded for the first geez, four years. Uh, ouch. Um, <laughs> and it was a lot of the money I poured into the business was in building this infrastructure 
um, that actually ultimately got us to where we are today is, is starting that process of saying it's worth the investment, it's worth the money to make this kind of organization around what I'm doing happening if I ever want it to be bigger than just a job for me and a couple people. Right. So true. Now, one thing that's really unique about Dream Local Digital as a full-service marketing agency is that you are really known for kind of your very white-glove customized services for your clients. So, I mean, kind of those seem very mutually exclusive, but they're not. So how do you manage really personal, customized marketing campaigns for each of your clients that's very unique to them and scale? Like how do you how do you really manage that marriage? It's that's that's a great point in that it seems like custom and scale are counterintuitive. And if you don't have your operations tight, uh, they are. Um, and so for, for me, I think what validates for me that investing in the operations was so, such a good investment is that we are able to, you know, really have a process and, um, and almost a fulfillment system that makes the, the experience for the client very customized. So it's like, it, it's, we'll talk to the client about what are their goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Who are you? What's the flavor of your business? And, What's the competitive landscape locally, nationally, or otherwise? And then we have a process by which we do research on how is that client performing? Do they show up on search engines? Do they have a website? Are they on any social media? Like what's happening with them? And as part of the conversation with them, we'll get more knowledge about that. But then we go back to our system and can find, oh, this person is a dentist. We can look at our system and find success stories, um, lessons learned, best practices across that industry um, and be able to quickly bring ideas to the table that aren't reinvented each time. Mm. So a great example is, in, in I use dentists as an example, many of them find for, for that cosmetic dentistry or whitening are the most profitable product line for them. Mm-hmm. And, and so even though their particular practice Um, the people that work there, the community that they're involved in and give back to is very different. Uh, I know where they make the most money. And so if I have six strategies for helping us sell more of one of those products, then we localize it and customize it for them. But we have the infrastructure of how to solve the problem um, in front of us when we're doing that. It allows the people to spend more time on thinking about the client than trying to reinvent how to sell more whitening. Love that. So you've systematized your ability to be creative. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it seems counterintuitive, but really it's like putting in front of one of my creative people a dashboard of all of this information that will spur their creativity um, for that client. Love, love that. Such a great point. Um, I want to, I, I want to kind of go back around to a, a touch point in the starting of your business because you had something pretty unique as you started your company. That's a little personal to me right now, um, and I think to a lot of the women who are listening, which is. Uh, you like had a baby right when you started your company. <laughs> so the, yeah. the the general question of how did you manage being a mom, being a new mom and being a, a brand new business owner can really resonate with a lot of women who are not only balance, maybe not balancing motherhood at the very beginning of their businesses, but are balancing motherhood and 
and entrepreneurship at the same time. So can you talk a little bit about how you made that work and how, or if you didn't, how it didn't work? Um, you know, sure. how, how did you manage that at that time period? Yeah, I can definitely identify with where you're at. It's, it, uh, I wouldn't recommend having giving birth to a baby in a business in the same month uh, <laughs> again, in hindsight. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was a consultant, as I mentioned. I was on speaking circuits and also working with private companies at the time that I was pregnant. And I was at um, flying back from a Canadian client when the airport, somebody in TSA at Border Patrol reminded me that I really shouldn't be flying anymore. <laughs> and, and, and so he asked me how many months along I was, and uh, the real answer was nine. Uh, <laughs> the answer I gave him was six. And, and uh, he said, you know, you, you're going to have to have a letter for your doctor if you do this again. You've got to stop. And wow. so first, so I get through Border Patrol um, with my charm and um, fibbing about how far along I was. Uh, but it made me think on the, the long plane ride back, you know, hey, I kind of might not be able to fly as much right now. <laughs> you know, I, I had made plans and bought all of the cute little things for the bedroom and all the things that those of us who are planning and nesting uh, do, but I hadn't really thought through the day-to-day -day workflow. And at the same time, I had, you know, these ideas around I really need to create action and how can I create action in companies to see what a big deal this is. And, and I came up with the concept of I need to show them. And so I you know, wrote the initial business plan for Dream Local on a cross-country flight uh, coming back um, when I was nine months pregnant and had staff in place um, and three of us in the office working before I had her. So in the two or three weeks it took after that. But you know, I, I took conference calls from the hospital bed. Um, and have worked the whole time, as I know most of us that are listening um, to today's podcast have done. The only thing I can say that I, my biggest lesson of how it works and why I am most grateful that I'm a little older as a mother um, is I allow, I use her to make me stop. Hmm. And um, I love my business. I'm driven about my business. I am thinking about my business 24 hours a day. But when she needs me or wants me and I spend time with her, I stop and spend time with her. And uh, particularly now that she's older, she's six and a half now, and we, we do things together where I, there are plenty of times where I'm answering email, but there's a lot of times where I'm not. And I'm, I set the phone down and I do stuff with her. And I feel like the universe gave me this big gift that um, is allowing me to create balance, forcing me to create balance in my life where I may have not made the choice to do that otherwise. And it, it does help me be grateful when, you know, I've got staff and I've got my board or investors calling me and my daughter, like, falls down and skins her knee and you think that you're just going to rip your hair out and not make it through it. Um, and, and so I try to practice gratitude and be very grateful that I have this opportunity to have these two powerful things in my life, um, you know, and that matters. Um, I think the last part is I'm very lucky. Um, I happen to have Rachel by myself, and I couldn't have a business and Rachel if, I, if it wasn't for my family. My mm -hmm. parents are incredibly involved in her life, and I am so grateful for that. If it wasn't for them, um, none of my... Uh, practicing gratitude would, would make it happen. You could tell that you've done a lot of like internal work to be able to make sure that there's, you know, that, that you really optimize 
all of the stuff that you have. And and I think that that it does take personal work to not go crazy and to really lead from gratitude and just let that sort of move you through things that are inevitably going to happen or you don't have a lot of control over. So kudos to you, girl. It's true. And you know, the other thing you learn, being a mom teaches you how to live with little sleep. And, um, you know, you just rem- you just recognize that you're never going to sleep much because <laughs> there's no way to, there's no way to run a business and, and have a small one around running around and think that it's going to be a restful experience. It's definitely not restful. I think you explicitly said before we actually got on air, like I can sleep when I die. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And that's pretty much It's on my list of things to do then. It's on my project plan uh, post-life. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm going to kind of very humbly and very authentically admit that like, you know, my husband and I run a local company together and I, uh, for a year and a half, have run the Biz Women Rock business. um, and, And so I'm in this weird space of kind of managing two businesses at the same time. And ironically... The Biz Women Rock business has ramped up like crazy ever since I got pregnant. And I think it's because it's uh, it's forced me to be a lot more focused on, you know, kind of results I want to uh, I want to create for that. And and it forced me simultaneously to take a step back from our local business and, and really rely on our team a lot more. And and even as much as I've been very aware of this process, I'm sitting here in the in the moment that we're talking that, you know, when everyone hears this, it's going to be months later. But in the moment that we're talking in September, I'm literally weeks away from giving birth. And it really just hit me two weeks ago. I was like, oh, shoot, I need to like make a plan for, you know, being able to kind of take a few weeks off and like not like have the freedom to not do anything if I don't want to. And what does that really look like? And and I have looked at it from. Uh, not, I mean, sort of a higher level, like I've sort of done a, a lot of good prepping, but like in that more intimate, like, how do I actually like not do anything for a couple of weeks? And how do I prepare my businesses for that? Right. Like, That's it's the same thing that happened to me, yeah. literally. And you know, the only thing that really saved me is in the beginning, they sleep a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like cats, right? So, so, you know, even though you're tired, there's like hours and hours of sleeping and yeah. it, it really does help you even it all out and think about your workflow. And the last, the last thing is, you know, every several weeks, you think you've got a handle on this. You know the routine. You know what food they want. They change the schedule for you. So just be a flexible person. Yeah, and that really helps in a business too, you know. Like, yeah. um, you know, my team here is very involved in the business. We are a fairly flat organization, and, um, you know, any one of them at any level can come up and reinvent how we do something on any mm-hmm. given day, and that's welcome here. Yeah. Structure is important, but flexibility matters. So I want to I want to use that as an opportunity to dive into your company culture. That's something that you definitely talk about. That you are known for. You, we've got this little hashtag Honey Badger thing going on mm-hmm. that you had brought up to me. Talk a little bit about that in particular, but what your team culture is and and what sort of steps that you would advise that any entrepreneur can really um, activate in order to create a company culture in an environment when sometimes we're working so hard just to kind of get stuff done. So company culture comes as sort of a byproduct of us just working. Um, But you've been really proactive about it. So talk a little bit about what your company culture is and what you've done to really foster it and what, you know, so that anyone listening can really take some advice from that. Sure. Um, Culture... 
matters in every business. Um, and there are several different drivers for it. But when you're an entrepreneur, the most powerful um, piece that's driving it for you in the beginning is the fact that, first of all, it's your business, your baby, you're very passionate about it. And for many of us, especially in the early days, you're bootstrapping. Um, so you need a team around you that is as passionate about what you're doing as you are. And that's very difficult to cultivate um, if you don't have some point of culture. And, and really the reason um, I focus so much, of a, so much energy um, on it here at Dream Local Digital is because I learned when we started Cars.com, we um, had a lot of funding uh, that we worked hard to get, terrific, very smart people that helped get the company started. And the first, um, you know, first 10 of us were very passionate. Then we got to like 30, and we were really passionate about what we were doing. But a lot of us were passionate about how we were changing the way people buy cars or about the product. We, as we grew, we grew quickly from 30 to 100 and then to 500 in less than seven or eight months. Ooh. And what I learned was, the first 10 or 30 of us are emotional. You know, th that was 18 years ago, and I still cry when I see a Cars.com ad on the television. Mm -hmm. And I just took my daughter there two weekends ago so she could see my first baby um, <laughs> it, because, it, it's, it, you know, it's part of me now. But the employees after 30, you know, is a place to work, um, and and the cubes were all the same, and the walls were all white, and we were just cranking out a really great product and, and doing a terrific job. But culture was sort of missing. And still when I talk to people there, I feel like, oh, you know, the culture is – these people don't have the same point of view of it that I have. And so when I started Dream Local and I'm bootstrapping it with my own money, I was trying to surround myself with people that were as passionate about what I was doing as I was. And then we have the secondary factor of the people that work here all come from very different backgrounds and very different frames of reference, different experience professionally. We have people here from real estate, from banking, from the legal profession, healthcare, you name it. And because they're all very different as people, I needed something that would tie them together in addition to just loving what we do. And so we uh, started showing that YouTube video, the crazy honey badger, crazy nasty honey badger, yeah. um, as a metaphor of saying, you know what, this animal will do whatever it takes to get the job done and cannot be stopped. You know, he gets bit by a cobra, he jumps right back up. Honey badger don't just, care. <laughs> honey badger don't care. And so we started calling, you know, I really did it thinking it would stay internal and that we would be um, honey badgers to each other. And what I quickly learned, because my team is all over social media talking about it, is that customers love it, clients love it, partners love it, um, our reseller partners. And so we, now it's just fat, it's built into our fabric. Like we give honey badger love is when we give shout outs to each other. And honey badger pride is when people do something really amazing. Um, it's a honey badger pride moment. And so we just have woven it into everything that we do, and it's something that ties us all together, and, and people really identify with it. And I, I just really want to pinpoint how simple 
that 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 can really be as far as like how simple it could start because some people get so overwhelmed by all these thousands of things that we need to implement in order to implement culture. But you started literally with something. You did not create Honey Badger. You did not even create this, you know, kind of the, the, the funny version of those videos that really highlight that point home. You just, you stole the metaphor of it and just talked about it and then allowed that metaphor to build out into, to like, into this crazed, you know, fan of this metaphor. Like, I just really want to pinpoint how simple that really could be. And you don't it have really to spend is. a lot of money or time doing it. It really is. And the, the fact that someone else did it, first of all, I have stuffed animals all over the office with that guy's voice on it, and I didn't have to <laughs> pay for them. But it was also, um, it was, it's a frame of reference. Like, when we talk about it, people don't say, what is that? They know. Yep. So... So they, it's the metaphor of what makes us one. And I have people from all over the world that will send me T-shirts or candy or anything. When they see a honey badger, they think of us. And, and my team thinks of themselves as one. Because the, the second point of it, to your point about making it simple, is it's got to be very authentic to you as a person. Yeah. And, you know, the only way for a founder or an entrepreneur to make, you have to live your culture every day authentically. It can't be some mission statement that you make people put a card in their wallet or you hang a sign on the wall. It's got to be really authentic. And, you know, there are, there's a lot of profanity in that video. And yep. <laughs> I happen to, you know, swear like a pirate. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> I knew um, I liked you for some reason. <laughs> right? So it's one of those things where it has to be really authentic. And if we were a conservative organization, uh, the honey badger wouldn't work. But I'm expecting these people to work like dogs and not give up and do whatever it takes for their client. And so the metaphor and the authenticity of it is why it works. Mm. I love that. Such a great point. And thank you so much for going into that. Um, I, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you forever about all of the different lessons and experiences that you've had. But uh, one of the things that I really want to conclude with is is asking you, what what is it that keeps you driven? I mean, I just, I feel like there's this kind of like massive purpose behind what you do. And I'm, I want to give you an opportunity to really give voice to that. So why, why do you continue doing this? Why do you continue building this company out? Why are you so passionate about scaling it and growing it and having an impact on your employees? Like, what is that for you? I really believe that the, um, the way people communicate and consume information and the way businesses need to interact with their customers is in this period of major shift. And um, when I can get customer service from an airline um, faster on Twitter than I can with a 1-800 number, it's showing you that the way people interact with each other is changing. And I feel passionate about helping people navigate that process, Um, both large companies, like we work with a lot of media companies to do that, um, and also small businesses like roofers and restaurants and dentists. Um, and so I see all of this happening, and I really enjoy being part of the bridge of helping people make that transition. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me jump out of bed every day. It makes me 
passionate about what I do. I am not in any way the youngest person at my company, um, but I'm using social media and all of the different channels, channels probably more than many of them because I can see it happening channel after channel. It's starting to really change how people do things. And so for me, that keeps me very driven. And, you know, whenever I have a tough moment, which, um, you know, any entrepreneur knows, any entrepreneur who's also a mom knows, <laughs> you know, those tough moments come on a regular basis. And yep. it's about having the fortitude to power through them and remember why you do what you do or recognize when you just maybe need to take a time out. <laughs> we have a founder timeout corner here and we have a mama timeout corner at my house where it's like, okay, I'm just going to stop for a minute and, uh, and be fine. But um, in general, that balance, um, that balances itself out because I'm just so driven about what we're doing. Mm, I love that. Well, Shannon, I can't thank you enough for being here, for sharing your story and for giving us some really good practical things that anyone listening can take home and really implement. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. BizWomenRock.com forward slash 241 is where you'll find the show notes for this particular episode. If you want to go find out more about Shannon, have direct links to her company. Um, we talked about a couple of resources and tools in here, and I put links to those as well. But she is just a powerhouse like you. uh, She's amazing. Absolutely amazing and totally blew my mind with this interview. Um, You know, I always tell you that I like keep um, I keep quotes. So like all throughout the interview, I kind of put time codes down when she says something really smart, when any of my guests say anything really smart. And I have like a giant page full of time codes right now. Uh, so I'm going to be sharing those on the show notes page as well. Really inspiring stuff. She just had so many great things to share. Um, I think my favorite thing that she talked about besides the little systems and scaling stuff, you, you can see how passionate I am about that, but, um, was the fact that culture does not have to be so difficult or grandiose or expensive or big. It can, it can really be simple, has to be authentic, but it can really be simple that, you know, and I think for, I'll include myself on this, um, and I think for a lot of us kind of either being solopreneurs or sort of, you know, not having a giant team, it's very hard to think about how can you implement this culture and really make a difference, but being proactive about thinking about it and being able to really implement even just an idea or a metaphor, you know, on a regular basis, I think is really powerful, and she gave voice to that and just told a great story on how she was actually uh, able to make that happen, so um, huge takeaway. I just thought that, that was absolutely brilliant. So, oh, hope you got something great out of this too. Hope you got a lot of great things because that was packed with nuggets. Um, I can't wait to see you on the next show. Don't forget, go become a part of our private Facebook group, Biz Women Rock on Facebook. Uh, we've got a lot of other phenomenal business women just like yourself in there who are all there to collaborate and learn from each other. So, um, Biz Women Rock. Uh, on Facebook. All right. Have an awesome day. I'll see you on the next show.